Word of Life Broadcasting. Your spiritual welfare is our concern. Good evening, everybody. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I want to welcome you to us uh, to our program this evening. I will want to see uh, something in the Bible about nature. You see, so many people are confused because they've been taught so by erroneous preachers that tell them that when they are born into this world, they were born with the nature of Satan. And then when they become Christian, um, because the Bible sometimes used nature when it said that he has given us, you know, uh, made us partake of the nature of godliness. But Bible actually was, you know, talking something different uh, as to be referring to nature. But then you see, they now say that they have the nature of God. And then later they become so frustrated because if when you are committing sin, you attributed it to the nature of Satan. Now that you are born again and you said you now have the nature of God, but once sometimes you still find yourself committing sin. And then they eventually they concluded that they have both nature in themselves. They have the nature of Satan and they have the nature of God. It is because they lack knowledge. They don't understand, you know, the principle and the word of God. The Bible says, walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the law of the flesh. The flesh and the spirit, the luster against each other. The flesh fight against the spirit. The spirit fight against the flesh. And uh, if you walk in the flesh, you will not be able to do what God wants you to do. And so when you walk in the spirit, you will not do what the flesh wants you to do. That is saying that you yourself is the one that actually determine or decide what you are going to do. Now, if you give yourself to the spirit and you walk in the spirit, you are spiritually minded, you will not do the things of the flesh. But if you are not spiritually minded, but you are carnally minded, you will not do the things of God. And that's what he's saying, that your life actually is depend on how you give yourself, to whom you give yourself into. If it has been a natural then it could have been something that actually you don't have any influence upon it. It's something that you cannot even backslide from it. But you see, it's not about nature. It's simply about your mindset. You know, when you, are, when you hear the gospel and then you are quickening in your spirit, in your mind, to think about the things of God. And then you begin to consider the things of God. And then you receive the Spirit of God. And that share the love of, love of God in your heart. And then you begin to think about God. So you are spiritually minded. But if you don't continue in minding the things of the Spirit, but you give in to your fleshly desire, then you will become carnally minded. And that is what Paul was saying when he said, 
you walk in the Spirit, when you walk in the Spirit, you will do the things of the Spirit. If you walk in the flesh, you will not be able to do things that you would. Because the Spirit thinks, seek the things of God. It thinks, seek the things pertaining to God and to pertaining to heaven. But when you set, and so when you set your affections on things above, you will discover that you begin to search for the things of God. Your total interest is committed into seeking the things of God. But when you're not setting your affections on the things above, but you're setting your affections on the things of this world, that's when you begin to have a problem with your flesh, your flesh uh, intimidating you, your flesh making it uh, difficult for you to do things you ought to do. And it is about your mindset. You know, if you are carnally minded, I mean, if you, you know, to be carnally minded is um, to actually devote much of your attention, much of your thinking to yourself. It's all about you, about you know, what you're going to eat, what you're going to feed on, the clothes you're going to wear on, the house you want to build, you know, the cars you want to buy, the career you want to make. You know, it's all about you, 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 you. That is what is called to be carnally minded. But then to be spiritually minded is to think about God, things of God, the kingdom of God, the righteousness of God, the love of God. And when this is what is the power of the, the major things your heart focuses on, then you will not do things of the flesh. Because if you remember God every time you are setting your affections on the things above, you know, you, 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 you want to, you appreciate, you know, the, the beauty and the and the flavor and the and the and the and the, and the uh, mercy of of Christ, uh, you want to do things. You will not want to do things which actually God does not want. But when you now begin to think of what you're going to gain, the profit you're going to derive, or the kind of pleasure that you will have, then that leads you into sin. And so, um, it's saying that you see. And because you are in the world, you are in the world, a lot of informations are flowing into you, into your mind. And that is why you continue to renew your mind. Renew your mind. You continue to kind of, you flitter all the informations, all the informations that are not edifying, all the informations that are not profiting. You flitter them out and you renew your mind to continue to set it on the things above. We live in a day of uh, information technology. There is information that are moving fast. You know, knowledge is increasing. And a lot of things, a lot of new things that can defy the mind are coming up. And it could, you know, if you're not careful, it can lift it up your mind and then you forget about the things of God. And so the Bible says that you renew your mind constantly. It's a continuous 
things you have to do. So, if it had been in nature, then it's something it, you would it, you would have been in a position that you are you you cannot but do otherwise. But the Bible makes us to understand that there are things you have to do, meaning you have to be spiritually minded. You have to renew your mind. You have to set your affections on things above. You know, you have to seek. You have to, you know, walk in the spirit. All this thing is telling you that uh, it's not just of you thinking that, uh, it's not just of you thinking that um, you are, uh, that you, you, that some part, some organic part of you is changed. That makes you look different from what who you have before, but it's saying that your perception, your ways of thinking, your ways of uh, viewing things, and your 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 mindset is changed, changed from being carnal into spiritual. And so, when you are carnal, in those days that you are carnally minded, you you don't care. If you're going to hurt somebody, you're just interested in things of yourself. But when you become spiritually minded, it's like you now put God first in everything you do. And where you're putting God first, you are also very, very courteous not to offend him. You know, and then if you, are, if you set your mind, if you set your affection on things above... And you know that there are some things that somebody can do that will not make him to inherit the kingdom of God because you are spiritually minded and you want to inherit the kingdom of God. Definitely, you will not do those things. And the Bible is saying that, it's saying that, and then the spirit of, and when you have the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Christ brings fruit Fruit unto righteousness, and the fruits of the Spirit are manifest, and they are love, joy, and uh, temperance, brotherly kindness, and all these things. But then you also discover that the Bible says you bring forth fruit. Though they are the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit naturally comes from the Spirit, but there is something you are obliged to do. You bring the fruit forth. Again, we come to the same position, mindset. Because what you, the way you think is what you, you, the way you think is who you are. And so we need to understand um, the, the, the things of God, and we need to understand uh, the, the Bible. When we read it, so that we don't confuse it with a lot of things that are actually not compatible uh, with the Word of God, because we try to explain things that doesn't make, that doesn't, that looks, that doesn't actually uh, fit in. So, I want you to understand that having the nature of God is to live a life of holiness. And that is why he call it the nature of God. You know, the nature of God um, is holiness. 
And when you are made partaker of that nature, means that um, you have set your mind to be holy. You have set your mind to be holy. You know, uh, why they normally say that, you know why the Bible says that he that committed sin of the devil is because the devil sinned from the beginning. The devil is the first person to sin. And so, uh, whosoever commits sin, choose, 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 chooses to be on the side of the devil. That's what he's saying. Um, it's not actually saying about, you know, some people confuse it. You know, when Jesus Christ said to the Pharisee, um, ye are the children of the devil, he was trying to tell them that because the devil had been sinning from the beginning and because they are also sinning, that makes them to join camp, to join, to, 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 to decamp into the side of the devil. And that's why he called them the children of the devil. So and because of Jesus said so, to those Pharisees. So some people think that everybody born into this world automatically, uh, you know, by bad, uh, uh, becomes the children of the devil. But you choose to be a children of, a child of the devil. Not that God created you to be a child of the devil. You choose to be a child of the devil by setting your mind on the things that are carnal, things that are fleshly. And why is it fleshly? It's because it is because um, the human emotion is egoistic, and um, it's egoistic, and you know the 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 the, the, the and it loves things that are evil more than the things that are good, and that is why. Uh, when you continue, that's why you begin to see that uh, it's easier for somebody who actually only think of himself, it's easier for him to do evil uh, than to do good. Because doing good means you have to think of others. But doing evil means you have to think only of yourself. So God bless you richly, and he uh, preserve you in his grace. So when the serpent came to Eve, you know, he started by saying uh, it wasn't the serpent himself that actually was talking. It must be the devil that was speaking through the serpent. Um, so, um, he, and it's actually say, as God said, um, this and this. And I, I wonder why the Eve did not recognize that something is fishy at that time because the serpent uh, I mean, they were not used to animals speaking, and suddenly there comes a serpent speaking to them. Uh, 
I'm sure because the reason could be that because they had no knowledge of evil and good, so their ability to reason on their own was actually limited. I mean, you can think of a little child. You know, a little child doesn't actually understand so many things. He cannot, you know, comprehend a lot of things. You know, so many things happening. He just take it as they happen, but he cannot question so many things. And so you could see the Eve in that situation. And then when the serpent came and he said, um, you know, the God, you know, the Eve said, uh, the God said, when you eat it, you're going to die. And the serpent said, no, you are not going to die. You're going to, your eyes will be open. Because that, he said, God knows that your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Now, listen, when the Eve looked into the tree, she fed on the information she was given. I mean, the, the, the serpent said, when you eat it, your eyes will be open. You will be, you will know good and evil and you will be wise as God. And that was what put her into that because she saw that the tree will make her to be as wise as God. And then she wanted to be as wise as God. And then the tree also was very beautiful. And so she could not resist her appetite in eating it because, I mean, she's, she, she just felt that there is nothing, there is no harm in, in anything but just to eat it and then she's going to be wise. But before they never thought of that because God told them the day you eat it, you will die and they just accept what God said. God said, the day you eat it, you will die. You should not eat it. No, God said you should not eat it so they accept they should not eat it. And then it said, the day you eat it, you will die. And then they understand that God said, if they eat it, they're going to die. And But, you see, they never on their own have this initiative that they want to do it. But then come the serpent. And the serpent said, no, you don't mind. You eat it. When you eat it, you're not going to die. You'll be wise. And so comes another uh, another, another somebody telling them something different. And they just, the woman took it. And she had it, uh, the man, and she gave it to her man. Why she gave it to the man? Well, uh, it wasn't stated. And why it was only after she gave it to the man that, that their eyes were open? Well, it was also not stated. But she gave it to the man and both had it, and their eyes were open. And then the first thing they realized is that they were naked, you know? They were naked. And that is something, this realizing that they were naked comes from the knowledge of that evil and good they just acquired, you know. Suddenly their eyes were open. I mean, they were not blind before. But now you said their eyes were open, which means that their reasoning suddenly comes alive. They Now they begin to reason on their own. They begin to know things on their own. And so their eyes were opened. And then they realized they were naked. And the first thing they do was to cover their nakedness by just, um, you know, looking for some leaves uh, to cover their nakedness. And that's what they did. Because as a human being, when you discover that somebody stole your dress, what was the next thing you're going to do? You try to look for something to cover yourself. You wouldn't want to go into the public without your dress, except something is wrong with your brain. And so, but the little children doesn't mind 
if they are naked, they can go without, uh, they can go, they are not ashamed. But a man is going to be ashamed because he has this knowledge now, the knowledge of good and evil. Before they were not ashamed because they, don't, they do not see anything bad in need, but now they were their eyes were open. But at the same time that God came, came to them, and he said, Adam, where are you? I mean, Adam hide himself because he had the voice of God coming. And you see, when you are naked, and then you suddenly had somebody speaking, the next thing you are going to do was maybe to hide yourself. Unless you are in an intimate relationship with that person, even if it is your, 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 your son or daughter, you still want to hide yourself. You still want to cover yourself because you don't want them to see your nakedness. So he said he hide himself, he cover, they cover themselves. And that is exactly what they told God. You know, God said, hey, Dan, where are you? And then he said, when I heard your voice, I was afraid and I hide myself because I was naked. So some people think that when he hide himself was because he could not behold the presence of God. That was not the reason. He hide himself because he was naked. They were naked and they, do, they were ashamed of themselves, you know, being naked and somebody coming to come and look at them. And so they were naked. And God said, who said to you that you were naked? See it again. The main controversy was that they were naked. And God said, who said to you that you were naked? Uh, but God immediately remembered or knows that they can only be naked when they have acquired reason. And this reason can only come to them if they have eaten the fruit of good and evil. And so he said, um, have you eaten? Have you eaten that fruit that I've forbidden you to eat? So God knew everything. And then the woman and the man said, Oh, it is this woman who gave it to me. And then he asked the woman, Why have you done this? Now the woman said, It is this uh, serpent who, have, uh, who, who kind of tempted me to do that. And God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you are caused above all the wild animals. You know, above all the catches. He said, you are cursed. You know, so which means that before that time, the, 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 the serpent was not cursed. But from this time onward, the serpent was cursed. And then he said, and he said, you are going to be walking. You are going to be moving, going on uh, with your belly. And so, which means that before that time, the serpent actually, this kind of serpent, this very particular serpent, we are not going with their belly. Now, the question we ask, we should ask is this. Now, since we have different kind of serpent, it's not just only one uh, snakes. We have, they have a family of snakes, and uh, all snakes doesn't look alike. They look differently. And um, is God, because of this, that he caused this very particular serpent that tempted Eve, would well, that mean that all the family of snakes and serpents were cursed together? Just think about it. I mean, we have um, animals, you know, and we have uh, families of animals, and uh, they don't always, uh, like, for example, we have this, uh, uh, assuming that 
Um, you know, that as, assuming uh, we have a different kind of family, let's say the family we're talking about now is uh, this, the one that belongs, where the lions belong to. And then you see that we have different kind of them. You have the cat, you have the lion, and you have some other species. Now, assuming that the cat will do something, and then God will be causing the, the, the cat, will that affect other members of that family? Now, well... So, but then we understand that they are, uh, so, well, so that is, but then, um, and then say you're going to eat sun all the days of your life. But, you see, when you look into the animal, the snakes, so they are actually, they are not, they are actually, they are flesh-eating uh, animals. They eat flesh. And so a lot of people have some kind of um, a disturbing um Impression that that couldn't be uh, that, that that a mistake was made there by God or by whosoever that that couldn't be true. Okay, the snakes don't eat sand, but God said in this particular verse, sand you will eat all the days of your life. Well, the people that come to some people come with another kind of suggestion that okay, because that snake actually because he always crawl on the ground, so there is no how. Is not going to hit sand or anything is going to put it into his mouth. Some sand will mix with it, but that what but that Bible didn't say that the snake is going to be hitting also sand. I mean, he said it look as if that that is what is going to hit all his life. So, but I think that what is going to happen there is this we understand that there was a time that God decided to destroy the whole world. And it has all animals to, 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 to move, to move to the, uh, to the hack. And then probably this particular snake that was caused wasn't part of those that actually God led to Noah. Why? Because um, God said actually that he's, he's going to put an enmity between these, uh, this snake and this woman. So there is an enmity between them. And then so definitely uh, it will be difficult for Noah to actually accommodate this kind of a snake um, in the hack. So maybe this snake has been destroyed, uh, you know, with, the, with, the, with, um, with what happened at that time. Uh, with the flood that took place at that time. Okay, so definitely it could be that this particular snake that was uh, hitting sand uh, was actually no more uh, in existence. And if you look into the book of uh, uh, the book of um, the book of um, Revelation, where the 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 Revelation presents the devil, it called him the dragon, but. You will understand that actually we don't have any real animal that is dragon. We only have them in the in the mythology. We only have them in all these uh, fairy tales. But in the real sense of the world, there is no animal uh, in our present world that is called a dragon. And then at the same time, he also said the whole serpent. So he also called him the whole serpent. He called him the whole serpent. So it's likely that. This kind of a serpent that the devil resembled in the devil uh, that actually came to Eve that time was no more in existence because that's why he called him the whole serpent. And so, 
So eventually, so what happened now? God caused the 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 the, the animal. He cursed him, and then then he turned to the woman. He also cursed the woman. He cursed he cursed the woman, and then he now turned to the man. Now said to the man, he said, "You are a dust, and to dust." You will return to. Now, this had not been said to the man before. The man never had any idea that he's going to die or that. But from this time onward, he already told him, You're going to die. You go, you're going to die. So the man knew he's going to die. So that is the death God said will come upon him. If he hits the fruit, he's going to die. Some people said that uh, the man died spiritually. Well, how do we. What kind of, what is it, I mean, what is the, you know, the Bible said to be carnally minded is dead. So for somebody to die spiritually, you have to be carnally minded, you see. And the carnality, the carnally mind, the carnality actually comes with the knowledge of evil and of the good. So eventually, God threw the man out of this place called the Garden of Eden. And said, because so that the man will not take and eat the fruit of life and live forever. So God threw him out. And so what God did was to kind of uh, create and made a cloak for them to cover themselves because they were formerly they were using leaves to cover themselves, and that's not good. So God gave them, made a, something for them to cover themselves. And thereafter, so he left the man alone. To take care of himself because now the man with the knowledge of evil and good and he has he felt independent of God and that is the danger of this knowledge of good and evil you will become you will feel that you can take care of yourself that you don't need God because you know what God knows you have the reason you know but the problem there is that you cannot control the, the you cannot control you cannot control it because the evil looks more sweet to you want to do evil rather than good and because you are a flesh you see you are a flesh and because you are a flesh and you feel independent of god you don't want to listen to god anymore for you to do good you need to listen to god but you don't want to listen to god anymore and that is and then you begin to do what your flesh your passion will want to do Good evening, everybody. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I want to welcome you to us, uh, to our program this evening. I will want to see uh, something in the Bible about nature. You see, so many people are confused because they've been taught so by erroneous preachers that tell them that when they are born into this world, they were born with the nature of Satan. And then when they become Christian, um, because the Bible sometimes used nature when it said that he has given us, you know, uh, made us partake of the nature of godliness. But Bible actually was, you know, talking something different uh, as to be referring to nature. But then you see, they will now say that they have the nature of God and then later they become so frustrated because if when you are committing sin 
you attributed it to the nature of Satan. Now that you are born again, and you said you now have the nature of God, but once, sometimes you still find yourself committing sin. And then they eventually, they concluded that they have both nature in themselves. They have the nature of Satan, and they have the nature of God. It is because they lack knowledge. They don't understand, you know, the principle and the word of God. The Bible says, walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the law of the flesh. The flesh and the spirit, the luster against each other. The flesh fight against the spirit. The spirit fight against the flesh. And uh, if you walk in the flesh, you will not be able to do what God wants you to do. And so when you walk in the spirit, you will not do what the flesh wants you to do. That is saying that you yourself is the one that actually determine or decide what you are going to do. Now, if you give yourself to the spirit and you walk in the spirit, you are spiritually minded, you will not do the things of the flesh. But if you are not spiritually minded, but you are carnally minded, you will not do the things of God. And that's what it's saying, that your life actually is depend on how you give yourself, to whom you give yourself into. If it has been a nature, then it could have been something that actually you don't have any influence upon it. It's something that you cannot even backslide from it. But you see... It's not about nature. It's simply about your mindset. You know, when you are, when you hear the gospel, and then you are quickening in your spirit, in your mind, to think about the things of God. And then you begin to consider the things of God, and then you receive the Spirit of God, and that shares the love of, love of God in your heart. And then you begin to think about God. So you are spiritually minded. But if you don't continue in minding the things of the spirit, but you give in to your fleshly desire, then you will become carnally minded. And that is what Paul was saying when he said, you walk in the spirit. When you walk in the spirit, you will do the things of the spirit. If you walk in the flesh, you will not be able to do things that you would. Because the spirit thinks, seek the things of God. It thinks, seek the things pertaining to God and to pertaining to heaven. But when you set, and so when you set your affections on things above, you will discover that you begin to search for the things of God your total interest is committed into seeking the things of God. But when you're not setting your affections on the things above, but you're setting your affections on the things of this world, that's when you begin to have a problem with your flesh. Your flesh uh, intimidating you. Your flesh making it uh, difficult for you to do things you ought to do. 
And it is about your mindset. You know, if you are carnally minded, I mean, if you, you know, to be carnally minded is um, to actually devote much of your attention, much of your thinking to yourself. It's all about you, about, you know, what you're going to eat, what you're going to feed on, the clothes you're going to wear on, the house you want to build, you know, the cars you want to buy, the career you want to make. You know, it's all about you, 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 you. That is what is called to be carnally minded. But then to be spiritually minded is to think about God, things of God, the kingdom of God, the righteousness of God, the love of God. And when this is what is the power of the major things your heart focuses on, then you will not do things of the flesh. Because if you remember God every time you are setting your affections on the things above, you know, you, 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 you want to, you appreciate, you know, the, the beauty and the, and the flavor and the, and the, and the, and the, and the uh, mercy of, of Christ, uh, you want to do things. You will not want to do things which actually God does not want. But when you now begin to think of what you're going to gain, the profit you're going to derive, or the kind of pleasure that you will have, then that leads you into sin. And so um, it's saying that, you see, and because you are in the world, you are in the world, a lot of informations are flowing into you, into your mind. And that is why you continue to renew your mind. Renew your mind. You continue to kind of, you flitter all the informations, all the informations that are not edifying, all the informations that are not profiting. You flitter them out and you renew your mind to continue to set each on the things above. We live in a day of uh, information technology. There is information that are moving fast. You know, knowledge is increasing. And a lot of things, a lot of new things that can defy the mind are coming up. And it could, you know, if you're not careful, it can lift it up your mind and then you forget about the things of God. And so the Bible says that you renew your mind constantly. Is a continuous things you have to do. So, if it had been in nature, then it's something it, you it you would have been in a position that you are you you cannot but do otherwise. But the Bible makes us to understand that there are things you have to do, meaning you have to be spiritually minded. You have to renew your mind. You have to set your affections on things above. You know, you have to seek. You have to, you know, walk in the spirit. All this thing is telling you that uh, it's not just of you thinking that, uh, it's not just of you thinking that um, you are, uh, that you, you, that some part, some organic part of you is changed that makes you look different from what who you have before, but it's saying that your perception, your ways of thinking, your ways of 
uh, viewing things and your 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 mindset is changed, changed from being carnal into spiritual. And so when you are carnally in those days that you are carnally minded, you you don't care if you're gonna hurt somebody, you just interested in things of yourself. But when you become spiritually minded, it's like you now put God first in everything you do. And where you're putting God first, you are also very, very courteous not to offend him. You know, and then if you are if you set your mind, if you set your affection on things above, and you know that there are some things that somebody can do, I will not make him to inherit the kingdom of God because you are spiritually minded and you want to inherit the kingdom of God, definitely you will not do those things. And the Bible is saying that, it's saying that, and then the spirit of, of, and when you have the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Christ brings fruit, fruit unto righteousness, and the fruit of the spirit are manifest, and they are love, joy, and uh, temperance, brotherly kindness, and all these things. But then you also discover that the Bible says you bring forth fruit. Though they are the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit naturally comes from the Spirit, but there is something you are obliged to do. You bring the fruit forth. Again, we come to the same position, mindset. Because what you, the way you think is what you, you, the way you think is who you are, and so we need to understand um, the, the the things of God, and we need to understand uh, the the Bible when we read it, so that we don't confuse it with a lot of things that are actually not compatible uh, with the Word of God, because we try to explain things that doesn't make that doesn't that looks that doesn't actually uh, fit in so i want you to understand that having the nature of god is to live a life of holiness and that is why he call it the nature of god you know the nature of god um, is holiness and when you are made partaker of that nature means that um, you have set your mind to be holy. You have set your mind to be holy. You know, uh, why they normally say that, you know why the Bible says that he that committed sin is of the devil? It's because the devil sinned from the beginning. The devil is the first person to sin. And so, uh, whosoever commits sin... Choose, 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 chooses to be on the side of the devil. That's what he's saying. Um, it's not actually saying about, you know, some people confuse it. You know, when Jesus Christ said to the Pharisee, um, ye are the children of the devil, he was trying to tell them that because the devil had been sinning from the beginning and because they are also sinning, that makes them to join camp, to join, to, 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 to decamp 
into the side of the devil. And that's why he called them the children of the devil. So and because of Jesus said so to those Pharisees, so some people think that everybody born into this world automatically, uh, you know, by bad, uh, uh, becomes the children of the devil. But you choose to be a children of, a child of the devil. Not that God created you to be a child of the devil. You choose to be a child of the devil by setting your mind on the things that are carnal, things that are fleshly. And why is it fleshly? It's because it is because um, the human emotion is egoistic and um, it's egoistic and you know the 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 the, the, the and he loves things that are evil more than the things that are good. And that is why, uh, when you continue, that's why you begin to see that uh, it's easier for somebody who actually only think of himself, it's easier for him to do evil uh, than to do good. Because doing good means you have to think of others. But doing evil means you have to think only of yourself. So God bless you richly, and he uh, preserved you in his grace. So when the serpent came to Eve, you know, he started by saying uh, it wasn't the serpent himself that actually was talking. It must be the devil that was speaking through the serpent. Um, so, um, he, and it's actually say, as God said, um, this and this. And I, I wonder why the Eve did not recognize that something is fishy at that time because the serpent uh, I mean, they were not used to animals speaking, and suddenly there comes a serpent speaking to them. Uh, I'm sure because the reason could be because they had no knowledge of evil and good, so their ability to reason on their own was actually limited. I mean, you can think of a little child. You know, a little child doesn't actually understand so many things. He cannot, you know, comprehend a lot of things. You know, so many things happening. He just take it as they happen, but he cannot question so many things. And so you could see the Eve in that situation. And then when the serpent came and he said, um, you know, the God, you know, the Eve said, uh, the God said, when you eat it, you're going to die. And the serpent said, no, you are not going to die. You're going to, your eyes will be open. Because that, he said, God knows that. Your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Now, listen. When the Eve looked into the tree, she fed on the information she was given. I mean, the, the, the serpent said, when you eat it, your eyes will be open. You will be, you will know good and evil and you will be wise as God. And that was what put her into that because she saw that the tree will make her to be as wise as God. 
And then she wanted to be as wise as God. And then the tree also was very beautiful. And so she could not resist her appetite in eating it because, I mean, she's, she, she just felt that there is nothing, there is no harm in, in anything but just to eat it. And then she's going to be wise. But before they never thought of that, because God told them, the day you eat it, you will die. And they just accept what God said. God said, the day you eat it, you will die. You should not eat it. No, God said you should not eat it. So they accept they should not eat it. And then he said, the day you eat it, you will die. And then they understand that God said, if they eat it, they're going to die. And But you see, they never on their own have this initiative that they want to do it. But then come the serpent. And the serpent said, no. You don't mind, you hit it, when you hit it, you're not going to die, you'll be wise. And so comes another, uh, another, another somebody telling them something different. And they just, the woman took it, and she had it. Uh, the man, and she gave it to her man. Why she gave it to the man? Well, uh, it wasn't stated. And why it was only after she gave it to the man that their eyes were open. Well, it was also not stated. But she gave it to the man and both ate it and their eyes were open. And then the first thing they realized is that they were naked. You know, they were naked. And that is something, this realizing that they were naked comes from the knowledge of that evil and good they just acquired. You know, suddenly their eyes were open. I mean, they were not blind before. But now he said their eyes were open, which means that their reasoning suddenly comes alive. Then now they begin to reason on their own. They begin to know things on their own. And so their eyes were opened and then they realized they were naked. And the first thing they do was to cover their nakedness by just, um, you know, looking for some leaves uh, to cover their nakedness. And that's what they did. Because as a human being, when you discover that somebody stole your dress, what was the next thing you're going to do? You try to look for something to cover yourself. You wouldn't want to go into the public without your dress, except something is wrong with your brain. And so, but a little children doesn't mind if they are naked, they can go without, uh, they can go, they are not ashamed. But a man is going to be ashamed because he has this knowledge now, the knowledge of good and evil. Before they were not ashamed because they, don't, they do not see anything bad in need. But now they were, their eyes were open. But at the same time that God came, came to them and he said, Adam, where are you? I mean, Adam hide himself because he had the voice of God coming. And you see, when you are naked and then you suddenly had somebody speaking, the next thing you are going to do was maybe to hide yourself. Unless you are in an intimate relationship with that person, even if it is your son or daughter, you still want to hide yourself. You still want to cover yourself because you don't want them to see your nakedness. So he said he hide himself, he covered, they covered themselves. And that is exactly what they told God. You know, God said, hey, Dan, where are you? And then he said... When I heard your voice, I was afraid, and I hide myself. 
because I was naked. So some people think that when he hide himself was because he could not behold the presence of God. That was not the reason. He hide himself because he was naked. They were naked and they, they were ashamed of themselves, you know, being naked and somebody coming to come and look at them. And so they were naked. And God said, who said to you that you were naked? See it again. The main controversy was that they were naked. And God said, who said to you that you were naked? Uh, but God immediately remembered or knows that they can only be naked when they have acquired reason. And this reason can only come to them if they have eaten the fruit of good and evil. And so he said, um... Have you eaten? Have you eaten that fruit that I've forbidden you to eat? So God knew everything. And then the woman and the man said, Oh, it is this woman who gave it to me. And then he asked the woman, Why have you done this? Now the woman said, It is this uh, serpent who have uh, who, who kind of tempted me to do that. And God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you are caused above all the wild animals, you know, above all the catches. He said, you are cursed. You know, so which means that before that time, the, the, the serpent was not cursed. But from this time onward, the serpent was cursed. And then he said, and he said, you are going to be walking. You are going to be moving, going on uh, with your belly. And so, which means that before that time, the serpent actually, this kind of serpent, this very particular serpent, we are not going with their belly. Now, the question we ask, we should ask is this. Now, since we have different kind of serpent, it's not just only one uh, snakes. We have, they have a family of snakes and uh, all snakes doesn't look alike. They look differently. And um, is God, because of this, that he caused this very particular serpent that tempted Eve, would well, that mean that all the family of snakes and serpents were cursed together? Just think about it. I mean, we have um, animals, you know, and we have a families of animals, and uh, they don't always, uh, like, for example, we have this, uh, uh, assuming that, um, you know, that as, assuming uh, we have a different kind of family, let's say the family we're talking about now is uh, this, the one that belongs where the lions belong to. And then you see that we have different kind of them. You have the cat, you have the lion, and you have some other species. Now, assuming that the cat will do something, and then God will be causing the, the, the cat, will that affect other members of that family? Now, well, so, but then we understand that the, um, uh, so, well, so that is... But then, um, and then say you're going to eat sun all the days of your life. But, you see, when you look into the animal, the snakes, so they are actually, they are not, they are actually, they are flesh-eating uh, animals. They eat flesh. And so a lot of people have some kind of um, a disturbing um, uh, impression that that couldn't be, uh, that, that, that a mistake was made there by God or by whosoever that that couldn't be true. Okay, the snakes don't eat sand. But God said in this particular verse, sand you will eat all the days of your life. 
Well, the people that come to, some people come with another kind of suggestion that, okay, because the snake actually, because he always crawl on the ground, so there is no how it's not going to hit sand or anything is going to put into his mouth, some sand will mix with it. But that, what, but that Bible didn't say that the snake is going to be hitting also sand. I mean, it said it look as if that that is what is going to hit all his life. So, but I think that what is going to happen there is this. We understand that there was a time that God decided to destroy the whole world. And he asked all animals to, 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 to move, to move to the, uh, to the ark. And then probably this particular snake that was caused wasn't part of those that actually God led to Noah. Why? Because um, God said actually that he's, he's going to put an enmity between these, uh, this snake and this woman. So there is an enmity between them. And then so definitely uh, it will be difficult for Noah to actually accommodate this kind of a snake um, in the hack. So maybe this snake has been destroyed. Uh, you know, with the, with the, with um, with what happened at that time, uh, with the flood that took place at that time. Okay, so definitely it could be that this particular snake that was uh, hitting sand uh, was actually no more uh, in existence. And if you look into the book of uh, uh, the book of um, the book of um, Revelation, where the the, the revelation presents the devil. He called him the dragon. But you will understand that actually we don't have any real animal that is dragon. We only have them in the, in the mythology. We only have them in all these uh, fairy tales. But in the real sense of the world, there is no animal uh, in our present world that is called a dragon. And then at the same time, he also said, the whole serpent. So he also called him the whole serpent. He called him the whole serpent. So it's likely that this kind of a serpent that the devil resembled in the devil uh, that actually came to Eve that time was no more in existence because why he called him the whole serpent. And so, so eventually, so what happened now? God caused the 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 the, the animal. He caused him. And then, then he turned to the woman. He also cursed the woman. He cursed, he cursed the woman. And then he now turned to the man. Now said to the man, he said, you are a dust. And to dust you will return to. Now, this had not been said to the man before. The man never had any idea that he's going to die. Or that, but from this time onward, he already told him, you're going to die. You go, you're going to die. So the man knew he's going to die. So that is a death God said will come upon him. If he eats the fruit, he is going to die. Some people said that uh, the man died spiritually. Well, how do we, what kind of, what is it? I mean, what is the, you know, the Bible said to be carnally minded is dead. So for somebody to die spiritually, you have to be carnally minded. You see? And the carnality, the carnality mind, the carnality actually comes with the knowledge of evil and of the good. So eventually, 
God threw the man out of this place called the Garden of Eden and said because so that the man will not take and eat the fruit of life and live forever. So God threw him out. And so what God did was to kind of uh, create and made a cloak for them to cover themselves because they were formerly they were using leaves to cover themselves and that's not good. So God gave them, made a, something for them to cover themselves. And thereafter, so he left the man alone to take care of himself because now the man with the knowledge of evil and good and he has, he felt independent of God. And that is the danger of this knowledge of good and evil. You will become, you will feel that you can take care of yourself, that you don't need God because you know what God knows. You have the reason, you know. But the problem there is that you cannot control the, the you cannot control you cannot control it because the evil looks more sweet to you want to do evil rather than good and because you are a flesh you see you are a flesh and because you are a flesh and you feel independent of God you don't want to listen to God anymore for you to do good you need to listen to God but you don't want to listen to God anymore and that is and then you begin to do what your flesh your passion will want to do you are welcome in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of God who has given us the opportunity to learn from him. Um, today we're going to look into the Bible, the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. It reads, And you at e quicken." Who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the hair, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. Some people, when they read this part of the Bible, they come to the conclusion that human beings from bad, they are children of the devil. The, the thing that the Bible says that the human being have the nature of Satan. But is that what the Bible is saying? If you think that is what the Bible is saying, that will be in contradiction to, uh, to so many uh, Bible passages. But then let us look into this verse of the Bible. It said, And you are quickening, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Does that suggest to you that there is a kind of uh, inherent nature in man that makes him makes it impossible for him to do what is right? Well, look at it again. And you at it quicken, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Now it looks as if it's saying that um, you were dead. In trespasses and sin, that you were dead in your sins and in your trespasses. I mean, your the dead were not. I mean, your sins and your trespasses were not as a result of your spiritual death, but because of your sins and trespasses, you became dead. So, is your sin and trespasses that lead to your spiritual death? But some people, they think it other way around. 
They say because you are spiritually dead, therefore you are in sin, or you 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 cannot uh, you cannot put off your sinning ability. But that's not it at all, because they try to make human being a victim, and then they try to make um, these uh, some kind of um, institution as the only way of, of, of salvation. You see, this idea actually came up uh, uh, during the time in the 4th century. You know, in the 4th century, that was when the Catholic team started with Constantines and, and some other people like that. And then there is a man, a very learned man, uh, who actually defined the theology of the Catholic. The name in this uh, Augustine of Hippo. He came up with this idea of uh, this original scene that uh, and that and that eventually, uh, you know, the theology of the church began at that time by making the church the only, uh, the only, uh, you know, by giving the priest a sort of ab- absolution or a kind of the right to pronounce uh, forgiveness on people when they do some certain uh, church right because they they, 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 according to them, human being. Uh, I just cannot, you know, they don't have any, um, they are, <clears throat> they are from bad sinners and then they need the church. I mean, they need the blessings of the Pope or of the priest before they can be, uh, they can be, uh, they can be uh, relieved or they can be saved out of their sin. And so many theories came up. But unfortunately, this theory has still been uh, uh pursued by so many, uh, um, a lot of people, a lot of Protestant church, although even, although this is actually one of the reasons why the Protestantism started, because uh, the man, um, Martin Luther, actually wrote a lot of theses why these things is wrong, why uh, you don't need uh, any anything from the popes or whosoever before your sin can be forgiven but unfortunately so many people they still continue in this part you know when they begin to teach people that actually they are powerless you know they are powerless and because of that um, they need some kind of uh, things to do uh, for them to be relieved but that is not what the bible says here the bible says that you are dead because of your sin and because of your iniquity. So because when you begin to commit sin, that automatically makes you spiritually dead. You are not born into the world spiritually dead, as some people think, but you began to commit sin and you began to commit iniquity and that makes you dead. Now. Ye hearty quicken, who were dead in trespasses and sin. We understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of grace, and the grace that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny worldliness and to live soberly. So that is how you are quickened from these trespasses and from this your sin. By the knowledge of him who save us. You see, we have we become inheritance of uh, godliness 
and uh, and and righteousness by the knowledge of him by the grace of him who equipped us out of this and then he said uh you were dead in trespasses and sins where in in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the hair and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience look at it again it says in the time past you walked so you are the one walking according to the course of this world you are the one walking according to the prince of the power of the hair you are the one walking uh, according to the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience so it doesn't that doesn't make you a human being to be a victim of the devil but it it makes but you voluntarily decide to go into the way of the devil you walked according to the prince uh, according to the course of this world you know it is according to the course of this world because generally 99% of human being decided that this is the way they want to go there is a way that cement right unto man but the hand thereof is dead you see the whole human being they decided that they want to go into this way this way of death and so that is why it becomes the curse of this world but then you walk in it you were not a prisoner of it by some strange means but you decided yourself that you're going to walk according to it you're not even a victim because if you decided that you're not going to walk inside it you will not walk in it but because you are not willing to do otherwise and so you walked therein uh, according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the hair now why is it according to the prince of the power of the hair we understand that the devil sinned from the beginning and it was his intention that he wants to be independent of god he doesn't want god to have any say in his life so and generally everybody are walking in the same direction so you walk according to the prince of this world according to the power of the here and verse 3 says among whom also we all had our conversation in time past and in the lust of our flesh now you understand it you see we have our conversation as so we have our behaviors the manners the way we do things in the time past and um, in the lust of our flesh the lust of our flesh that is it the desire of our flesh actually was the one that actually controls us because we are given to that lust and desire because we want it and because in the fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind and we are by nature the children of wrath even as others now some people now take this to say because he said we are by nature we are by nature the children of wrath even as other that that suggests that the human being have born with the nature of the devil or with the nature of satan 
Now, if you look into the original word that is used here, it said, we are by nature. That means that it's saying that in our that's that we'll be doing something that's become so habitual in us, and that because of that, it becomes our habits. That's what it's saying there. It's saying that uh, you see, we are by nature the children of wrath. Now, by nature, the children of wrath simply means that you know, anybody who actually disobey God, who is not in the right way with God. Is actually under the wrath of God. And so by nature, by our habit, by the way we do things, that qualifies us to be a candidate for, for, for hell. And so that's what it's saying. It's not saying that uh, the you, that babies that are born into this world, that have automatically they came into this world with the nature of the devil, but it's saying that by nature, by what they do, are candidate of hell. And so we ourselves, by our sin, the one we committed, not the one we inherited from Adam, because God is not going to judge a baby. God is not going to send a baby to hell because Adam has committed a sin. But that baby suffered, you know, under the effects of the sin committed. That is, the sins of Adam brought this, the, 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 the 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 knowledge the ability to know evil and good and so when a child is born and in inherits this ability to know good and evil and that automatically uh pave way into sin in his life because he chooses evil rather than good and so by this habit he becomes a child of wrath and if you look into the various biblical examples, you will see that there are cases and circumstances where people, they repented of their sin without even any help from God. You remember Nineveh, when they had the message of, uh, of, of, um, of Jonah that the country is going to be uh, overtaken and will be destroyed, they repented of their sin and they turned to God. And God had mercy on them. That was not the time of grace. It was simply that they repented of their sin. What we are also telling people to do today. So if those people in the Nineveh could repent of their sin, why can't the whole world repent of their sin? And God will have mercy on us all. And that is exactly what God needs or desires from human beings to repent of their sin and to turn their evil way. And it's not because they cannot do it on themselves, but because they are not willing to do it. And that is why Jesus came to die. And that is why it is a grace of God, because that grace is providing an, 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 an hate and, 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 and is supporting arms to human beings to be able to, to kind of, you know, to live, to live the cause of destruction they've been working on and to come into the light of the gospel. Not because they are not able to do that, because if they were not able to do that, it wouldn't have been possible for a country like Nineveh to repent of their sin. It wouldn't have been possible for some, some men in the Bible like Nebuchadnezzar and some people that actually, after seeing uh, 
the, the light of God, that they repented and turned to God and make a decree in their empire that everybody should worship God. That would not have been possible. If human beings are victims, if human beings are not able to turn to the light of God. But in the Old Testament, we've seen a lot of cases where people have actually repented of their sin, they turned to God when they when they had the gospel, when they had about him. And so, uh, don't let anybody deceive you. God bless you. As we... Good morning, everybody. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless your name for this wonderful and glorious money that you have made. Uh, we're going to rejoice and be grateful and be glad in it. Thank you, Father, for the love that you have towards us. Thank you for everything you've done in our life. Thank you, Lord, because uh, you will lead us into the truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. There is something I want to talk uh, this morning, and that is the misconception of so many preachers on what total depravity of man is. And I think this misconception has been going on for so many centuries, and of course we have a different variations of what total, depri de uh, total depravity is all about. You know, starting from the Augustine to Calvinists and to the Armenians and to the Lutherans. And many people have tried to kind of, uh, you know, bring uh, a lot of um, things together to explain the nature, the state, the, the state of man. But the questions I want you to ask yourself is this. What is sin? If you will agree with me, you I'm sure you will say sin is disobedient to the law and to the word of God. Now, if sin is disobedient to God, when do this sin began in man? Is it before the fall or after the fall? I mean, we need to kind of, you know, uh, use our reason to understand things that we read. We know the Bible is inspired by God, and God is not a contradictor. I mean, God will not contradict himself. You see, when God created man, and he created man in his own image, he gave man a choice, and he told him, I give you this garden, you take good care of it, you eat everything in the garden, but that fruit, that tree in the middle of the garden, you should not eat. This already has given the man the option to obey or to disobey God. Now, where there is an option to obey or to disobey God, naturally, there is always the ability to obey and to disobey. And that is before even the fall. Before the fall. You see, man, you know, if God has created man in a sinless nature, he wouldn't have been able to disobey him. 
Because when we now say that, because after the fall is when the, the, the sinful nation of man began, then it, that, which means we're saying that man was created in a sinless nation before the fall. And if man was created in a sinless nation before the fall, then man couldn't have disobeyed God. Because, you know, whatever a man does is always about obeying or disobeying God. And disobedience to the law of God began before eating of the fruit. So if man was able to disobey God before eating of the fruit, and then you said that man was created in the image of God with the ability to be holy, to be righteous. And now, if the same thing is what a man is doing after the fall is just keep on disobeying God and he keep on, you know, and so how can you now say that that ability to live holy, to, to obey God, which he had before he heard the fruit, that that ability is no more there because he has eaten the fruit. Does it make sense to you? Does that make sense to anybody? You know, you see, we need to kind of understand God and understand the way of God. You see, when God created man and he created him, you know, he didn't create him with a ability uh, not to disobey him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given him an instruction not to disobey him. But he created him with the ability to choose whether to do to obey God or to disobey God. And that is what we call the free will. And that free will is the part of man. You see, the man has the ability to obey God and to disobey God. And then he chose, remember, he chose, decided on his own that he is going to disobey God. Whether he was tempted, he was not tempted, and that is irrelevant. But he chose to disobey God. Had he chosen to obey God, then he wouldn't have he wouldn't have done what God asked him not to do. But he chose to disobey God. And that is exactly what the Bible had been saying all along. That people have been disobeying God. After the fall, people continue to disobey God. You know, when the Bible says, all have seen. The word all have seen, that is a verb, is a, is, is a doing something, is an action, is, a, is this action word that all have seen, and they have come short the glory of God. You see, the glory of God is about the holiness of God, about the righteousness of God, about the majesty of God. And when people commit sin, they disobey God, so they cannot. So they have come short. They have kind of, uh, you know, uh, put themselves, uh, they have kind of. Uh, um, uh, put themselves in in an opposite direction to God's glory, inasmuch as God cannot behold iniquity, so there is no how a man that is disobeying God can come into fellowship or union with God, and that's what is it. You see, the man disobeyed God before eating the fruit because it is that disobedient that led to him eating the fruit and now when he has eaten the fruit the fruit is is, is it has it changes his his, uh, his organ i mean something about him that is it gives him the ability to know good and evil 
Now a man who knows good and evil also have the ability to choose between good and evil. And that is all what it's all about. That a man now can choose between good and evil. Before having the knowledge of good and evil, the man cannot choose between good and evil because he doesn't even know what is good and he doesn't know what is evil. But now when the man begins to know what is evil and what is good, and he begins to choose what is evil, and that is what we that is what the Bible calls sin. Because the man chooses evil, he becomes sinners. But then you see, you can only choose uh you, you choose what is evil. The fact that somebody chooses what is evil, I mean if the fruit is the knowledge of good and evil, so it means the man has both. In inherent in him, he has this knowledge of good, but he did not choose to do good. And then the knowledge of evil is there, and he chooses to do evil. And that is why, you see, anytime the Bible is talking about man, it will say, now, you see, the Bible says, all have sinned. That is doing what is what they have done. He said, there is none that does righteousness. Again, is what they are not doing. You see, it's all about what a man is doing and what is not doing. The Bible, when the Bible says the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked, what does it mean? You see, you are talking of a man that has this knowledge of evil and good, but because of the attraction towards evil, you know, everything evil is sweet to the person who is doing it. At times, you know, somebody wants to take revenge, they tell you revenge is sweet. The person who is experiencing that, the, the, the negative of that revenge is wickedness to him, but the person who is doing the revenge thinks the revenge is sweet. So, you see, Evil to the evil doer is sweet, and that is why they continue to do it. But when you are on the other side, and you now want to evaluate the action, is where you call it evil. The person that is doing it did not call it evil. He enjoys it. He finds it so good, and that is why, because you know, he just he doesn't see anything bad. You know, he doesn't see it just because it is all it's all about him. You know, evil is done to satisfy self. You can hardly find anybody doing good to satisfy self, except also, you know, he has something to gain through it. So because of this selfishness in man, and if you understand again, it was that selfishness that led him to disobey God. When God said, look, if I give you, if I, if I, if I ask you to come to my house and I give you my apartment to stay and I say, okay, I give you this apartment free of charge. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to, but you are free to use it as you like. You are free to do whatever you want to do in it, but only on one condition. You see this wardrobe, this wardrobe, I mean, this, 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 uh, this, uh, wall case, that is, I don't want you to go in there, I don't want you to open it, and I don't want you to take anything out of it. Wouldn't that be an act of 
disrespect if I have gone and then you go into that wardrobe, you open that wall case and you want to see what is inside it or even to do what is inside it. That will be a kind of a, a gross, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, misconduct, you know. Uh, it's, it's kind of a very heavy trespasses. I know, so that is exactly what man did. God told him, don't, I give you everything in this garden. You can eat it. There are so many beautiful things in this garden. You see, you have the tree of life. You have the wisdoms and so, I don't know everything. I'm sure that the tree, the garden must have so many good things. But only on one condition that this tree that entail the knowledge to do good and to do evil do not eat of it. And man, because of what the information that he had, that this very particular tree will make him to be like God. And that is just the main reason why Eve and Adam ate that fruit because they want to be like God. And what do you see to that? What do you call that? Is that not selfishness? That is selfishness. You see, the moment a man begins to think he wants to be like God, that is when pride set in. That is when he begins to exalt himself more than he ought to. That is when he doesn't give glory to God anymore. That is when he doesn't want to obey the things of God. And that is exactly what sin is all about. And so they hate it because they want to be like God. Now, if Adam who was created in the image of God, could do that. Now, how can you now tell me that it was after they've done that that they now have the nature of sin? No. So you need to understand what nature of sin is all about. The nature, I mean, I mean, you need to understand, uh, in fact, there is nothing like, it's not as if it is a nature of sin, but it's just they have the ability to choose between good and evil. And that's what happens to them. And this, and this, this what led into them having it was disobeying God. And that act of disobedience had been even before they had that fruit. And after hitting the fruit, they continued to disobey God by doing evil. Giving them law was just to let them understand, you know, what is evil and what is good. But because they've been used to doing evil, so when you even give them the law, they could not obey that law because the law doesn't doesn't allow them to be selfish, and that is what the, that is what man is all about. And what Jesus did was just to allow the Holy Spirit to come and be living in the in the heart of men that can you know help them and induce, induce them to do good. And that is what this is, and that is the. And that is the provision of the grace of God. So uh, we should understand God and understand what God is telling us in the scripture. We don't need to kind of, you know, you know, just be taking theories and theology from the old men of the old centuries and then still be applying it without having a sound knowledge. God has given us a sound mind. Amen. And God will help us to understand it in Jesus' name. Good day. I welcome you again to our online study. Uh, 
and uh, we bless God that God is with us, that God will, you know, always open our eyes to understand, to see the hidden truth of His Word and things that He wants us to know. And I pray that the Spirit of God will come upon us and opens our understanding in Jesus' name. Uh, I just want to talk today uh, on the on the on the subject of these human depravity, these uh, the the total depravities and absolute depravity of human being of humankind, as proposed by some theologians. You know, um, this theory actually was dated back to the fourth century, uh, dated to uh, a concept of Augustine that he. he, he that he um, put up the idea of the original scene, and since then the concept has been debated, you know, argued by various scholars, uh, modified, and uh, you know they've tried to kind of put a different approach to that concept. But one thing I, but one thing that is interesting that the concept was dated to the fourth century. Both the doctrine of the Bible, the doctrine of the New Testament uh, gospel, had been since the first century. So, how did the uh, the fathers of the first centuries and the second centuries and the third century how how did they see this uh, this this ideology this uh, this doctrine of original sin? It looked as if it was not preached in that way, but. Let us actually look into that concept of itself. These are the theory of original say that man, since the fall, had inherited a corrupt, uh, a complete uh, 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 state of helplessness uh, in terms of obeying God. You see, that's what the theory is all about. But the way you continue to go down the line, you see... Um, and now, you know, according to the history, you know, the Catholics, they, 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 they then said that the man needs, uh, that only through the church and the, the, uh, the, the provision of sacrament that somebody can be saved because man cannot, uh, is helpless and he cannot respond to the gospel, to the, to the salvation calling of God. And then the Calvinists, they now come with this, about this uh, predestination theory. Uh, that talks about uh, that uh, that talks about the irresistible grace that you know that God, uh, because of this uh, helplessness of human being, you know that they cannot uh, really respond to the to the to the salvation of God on their own. That God has pre-select some elect that He has ordained to salvation, and these people. Through the irresistible grace, are ordained to salvation, whilst the others are ordained to eternal damnation. Now, this is the, the, the position that the Calvinists and the Lutherans actually, uh, um, that is a position they, they upheld, but the Arminians and the Wesleyans, they kind of modified their own concept of the total depravity. Why? Uh, you know, agreeing that to some extent, to some how the man is corrupt, but they also have to acknowledge the responsibility of man to respond to the grace, and that is where uh, the, 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 
the doctrine of uh, that the man has to repent. So that is what I want to talk uh, uh, today on, you know, the conflict between the total depravity uh, of man and the responsibility of man to respond to the gospel. You see, this doctrine of total depravity is actually in contradiction to the doctrine of responsibility. Because on one hand, you said man is completely corrupt, helpless, that he cannot respond to salvation of God. But at the same time, you say man has to repent before he can be saved. You see, that is a contradiction on his own. If man, you know, just think about in a normal criminal court case. Uh, a criminal, an accused is standing before the judge. And the judge, uh, you know, if upon a pressure value, uh, if the if uh, if uh, uh, the the prima facie valued if the 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 accused is said to have committed this offence, is either he is guilty. If he is guilty, then the judge will say um, he has is condemned and he and he must take the responsibility for his offence. And now, if the judge says that if he acknowledge that he committed this offense and then plead guilty, there could be some leniency when the judge is trying to pass the judgment. But if he refused to acknowledge uh, his, uh, his offense, his, his, his guilty, the, 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 the penalty could be much higher. That is, and when you look at it, that is actually when you're talking of this uh, this uh, you're talking of the prevenience you're talking about that that's the sinner standing before the court if he acknowledge he's guilty that is more or less repenting before court hide remorse but then he, he actually acknowledged that he had committed this offense that will influence the judgment of the court to, I mean, to kind of reduce the penalty is going to pay. I mean, it, the penalty is not, it's not a see the courts on, because of that will completely um, exonerate him or kind of uh, not pass the judgment on him, but his acknowledgement will influence um, the judgment that the court is going to pass. You see, that is that that is that is that is that is another way of saying that the man has repented. Yeah, for me, because before you can actually repent of something evil that you have done, you need to acknowledge that you did it. And so that's what is happening here. The man, the offender, he acknowledged that he has committed his offense. So when once he acknowledges it, he's more or less actually, you know, telling the cow that um that he's sorry, you know. Uh, he's going to do some restitution on it, or he's going to that uh, he's asking for forgiveness or whatever. But because there are some laws and there is a penalty which the judge, the law has already prescribed for such an offense, the judge may not actually 
set him free, the judge will ask him to pay for the penalty, I mean, pay for the offense, you know, you know, carry the penalty, uh, uh, the, 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 you know, pay, uh, pay the fines of the offense. And that is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus paid for that sin that man has committed with his own life, with his own blood. So he's, he's in the, you know, when we talk about propitiation, that is a substitute. Jesus stands as a substitute for man, that the man is condemned, and then the man pay, has to pay for the sin that he had committed. And then, and Jesus now paid for that uh, sin with his own blood. That enabled the judge to discharge man as being justified. But that actually means that the man acknowledged that he is responsible for that offense. You know, there is something we call um, criminal responsibility. Criminal, uh, I mean, crime responsibility, crime um, liability. And there is something we call blame disability. Now, the blame disability is when... Uh, an accused is trying to tell the court that he is not responsible for what happened, that something, a tough force, actually put him, made him to commit that offense. And so the judge will look into whether the man at the time of the offense he is blame disabled. And if the judge is satisfied that the man at the time of the offense is blamed disabled, the man is not going to be condemned. He will not be, the judgment will not be passed on him as for him to pay the for the to pay the penalty for the offense he has committed, but he is going to be considered as blamed disabled. And the next thing is that they will send him maybe to a psychiatric hospital. You know, if when he commits an offense and the penalty is that he should be killed or he should go to prison, that will be the judgment. But because he's now claiming a, a blame disability, the judge will not send him to the prison. They will not, you know, they will not send him to God. They will not, he will not be sentenced to death, but rather he will be sent to psychiatry. Because at the time he committed the offense, he was not responsible. So I'm just trying to let you know the heresy in the doctrine of total depravity of man. You see, when we're talking of the total depravity, we are saying that man is not responsible for the sin he had committed. And if human judge, they've come to that uh, to come to that enlightenment that when a man is not responsible for an offense, he should not be condemned. It should not be sentenced. How much more do you think God is going to react? But God is not saying that man is not responsible for his sin. God is not acquitting man on the on the on the platform of blame disability because God is saying that man is responsible for his sin. And if man is responsible for his sin, then God is calling man to repent, that is, acknowledge his sin and then repent. You know, when man acknowledges his sins, you know, when man repents of his sin, he's more or less saying he's taking the responsibility 
for what he has done and is acknowledging that he is guilty and down is is uh, that it is that is is uh, that is um that the judgment that is going to pass on him that is that is is worthy of that judgment that 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 that, because, that, that judgment is just so and what jesus did is now to take the position of human being and to take the judgment upon himself that's what we call the atonement you know for the sin the man has committed but the atonement is only possible on the ground that the offender the accused is is crime responsible that is guilty of the offense that he committed and that at the time he was committing the offense he was capable of taking decision as to commit that offense if the man said he is not capable of taking the decision uh, to commit the offense or taking the decision to prevent that offense the judge will not sentence this person will not sentence him either to prison or to death because at the time he was committing the offense he was not it was not it was not reliable it was not capable of taking the decision to prevent that offense you see you, you understand the errors of uh, um, of of uh, absolute uh, total depravity of man because we are saying that man is not uh, capable of preventing the offense that he, he had to commit that offense by compulsion that he has to commit the offense because he was being pushed into doing it you know people say oh it's, uh, the devil deceived me uh, the devil tempted me or uh, you know I, I just cannot uh, avoid doing that so i'm not responsible for the sin that i've committed so somebody else is the responsible and so man is trying to make himself before god as blame disabled but that's but that doesn't work because man is crime uh responsible and so he has to pay for that offense but Jesus came and took that offense upon himself and that is why the man has to repent has to acknowledge his sin and repent of his sin otherwise it will be a total contradiction you see the bible teaches repentance and bible did not teach the man is blame disabled man has the ability Good morning everybody. Father in the name of Jesus we bless your name for this wonderful and glorious money that you have made. Are we going to rejoice and be grateful and be glad in it. Thank you Father for the love that you have towards us. Thank you for everything you've done in our life. Thank you Lord because uh you will lead us into the truth in Jesus name. Amen. Good morning everybody. There is something I want to talk uh, this morning and that is the misconception of so many preachers on what total depravity of man is. And I think this misconception has been going on for so many century and of course we have a different variations of what total, depri- de- uh, total depravity is all about 
you know, starting from the Augustine to Calvinists and to the Armenians and to the Lutherans. And many people have tried to kind of, uh, you know, bring uh, a lot of um, things together to explain the nature, the the, the state of man. But the questions I want you to ask yourself is this. What is sin? If you will agree with me, you I'm sure you will say sin is disobedient to the law and to the word of God. Now, if sin is disobedient to God, when do this sin begin in man? Is it before the fall or after the fall? I mean, we need to kind of, you know, uh, use our reason to understand things that we read. You know, the Bible is inspired by God, and God is not a contradictor. I mean, God will not contradict himself. You see, when God created man, and he created man in his own image, he gave man a choice, and he told him, I gave you this garden, you take good care of it, you eat everything in the garden, but that fruit, that tree in the middle of the garden, you should not eat. This already has given the man the option to obey or to disobey God. Now, where there is an option to obey or to disobey God, naturally, there is always the ability to obey and to disobey and that is before even the fall before the fall you see man you know if god has created man in a sinless nature he wouldn't have been able to disobey him because why we now say that because after the fall is when the the, the sinful nation of man began then it, that, which means we're saying that man was created in a sinless nature before the fall. And if man was created in a sinless nature before the fall, then man couldn't have disobeyed God. Because, you know, whatever a man does is always about obeying or disobeying God. And disobedience to the law of God began before eating of the fruit. So if man was able to disobey God before eating of the fruit, and then you said that man was created in the image of God with the ability to be holy, to be righteous. And now, if the same thing is what a man is doing after the fall, is just keep on disobeying God and he keep on, you know, and it's, so how can you now say that that ability to live holy, to, to obey God, which he had before he had the fruit, that that ability is no more there because he has eaten the fruit. Does it make sense to you? Does that make sense to anybody? You know, you see, we need to kind of understand God and understand the way of God. You see, when God created man and he created him, you know, he didn't create him with a ability uh, not to disobey him otherwise he wouldn't have given him an instruction not to disobey him but he created him with the ability to choose whether to do to obey god or to disobey god 
And that is what we call the free will. And that free will is the part of man. You see, the man has the ability to obey God and to disobey God. And then he chose, remember, he chose, decided on his own that he is going to disobey God. Whether he was tempted, he was not tempted, and that is irrelevant. But he chose to disobey God. Had he chosen to obey God, then he wouldn't have he wouldn't have done what God asked him not to do. But he chose to disobey God. And that is exactly what the Bible has been saying all along that people have been disobeying God. After the fall, people continue to disobey God. You know, when the Bible says, all have seen, the word all have seen, that is a verb, is a, is, is a doing something, is an action, is, a, is this action word that all have seen, and they have come short the glory of God. You see, the glory of God is about the holiness of God, about the righteousness of God, about the majesty of God. And when people commit sin, they disobey God, so they cannot. So they have come short. They have kind of, uh, you know, uh, put themselves, uh, they have kind of uh, um, uh, put themselves in, in an opposite direction to God's glory. Inasmuch as God cannot behold iniquity, so there is no how a man that is disobeying God can come into fellowship or union with God. And that is what is it. You see, the man disobeyed God before eating the fruit because it is that disobedient that led to him eating the fruit. And now, when he has eaten the fruit, the fruit is, is, is it has, it changes his, his, uh, his organ. I mean, something about him. That is, it gives him the ability to know good and evil. Now, a man who knows good and evil also have the ability to choose between good and evil. And that is all what it's all about. That a man now can choose between good and evil. Before having the knowledge of good and evil, the man cannot choose between good and evil because he doesn't even know what is good and he doesn't know what is evil. But now when the man begins to know what is evil and what is good, and he begins to choose what is evil. And that is what we that is what the Bible calls sin. Because the man chooses evil, he becomes sinners. But then you see, you can only choose uh you, you choose what is evil. The fact that somebody chooses what is evil, I mean if the fruit is the knowledge of good and evil, so it means the man has both. In, inherent in him. He has this knowledge of good, but he did not choose to do good. And then the knowledge of evil is there, and he chooses to do evil. And that is why, you see, anytime the Bible is talking about man, it will say, now, you see, the Bible says, all have seen, that is doing what, is what they have done. He said, there is none that does righteousness again is what they are not doing you see it's all about what a man is doing and what is not doing the bible 
when the Bible says the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked, what does it mean? You see, you are talking of a man that has this knowledge of evil and good, but because of the attraction towards evil, you know, everything evil is sweet to the person who is doing it. At times, you know, somebody wants to take revenge, they tell you revenge is sweet. The person who is experiencing that, the, the, the negative of that revenge is wickedness to him, but the person who is doing the revenge thinks the revenge is sweet. So, you see, evil to the evil doer is sweet, and that is why they continue to do it. But when you are on the other side, and you now want to evaluate the action, is when you call it evil. The person that is doing it did not call it evil. He enjoys it. He finds it so good. And that is why. Because, you know, he just, he doesn't see anything bad. You know, he doesn't see, he just, because it is all, it's all about him. You know, evil is done to satisfy self. You can hardly find anybody doing good to satisfy self. Except also, you know, he has something to gain through it. So, because of this selfishness in man, and if you understand again, it was that selfishness that led him to disobey God. When God said, look, if I give you, if I, if I, if I ask you to come to my house, and I give you my apartment to stay, and I say, okay, I give you this apartment free of charge, you don't have to pay anything, you don't have to... But you are free to use it as you like. You are free to do whatever you want to do in it. But only on one condition. You see this wardrobe. This wardrobe. I mean this 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 uh, this uh, wall case. That is. I don't want you to go in there. I don't want you to open it. And I don't want you to take anything out of it. Wouldn't that be an act of disrespect. If I have gone. And then you go into that wardrobe, you open that wall case and you want to see what is inside it or even to do what is inside it. That will be a kind of a, a gross, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, misconduct, you know. Uh, it's, it's kind of a very heavy trespasses. And so that is exactly what man did. God told him, don't, I give you everything in this garden. You can eat it. There are so many beautiful things in this garden. You see, you have the tree of life. You have the wisdoms and so, I don't know, everything. I'm sure that the tree, the garden must have so many good things. But only on one condition that this tree, that until the knowledge to do good and to do evil, do not eat of it. And man, because of what the information that he had, that this very particular tree will make him to be like God. And that is just the main reason why Eve and Adam had that fruit, because they want to be like God. And what do you see to that? What do you call that? Is that not selfishness? That is selfishness. You see, the moment a man begins to think he wants to be like God, that is when pride set in. That is when he begins to exalt himself more than he ought to. That is when he doesn't give glory to God anymore. That is when he doesn't want to obey the things of God. And that is exactly what sin is all about. And so they hate it because they want to be like God. Now, 
if Adam, who was created in the image of God, could do that. Now, how can you now tell me that it was after they've done that, that they now have the nature of sin? No. So you need to understand what nature of sin is all about. The nat- I, mean, I mean, you need to understand, uh, in fact, there is nothing like, it's not as if it is a nature of sin, but it's just they have the ability to choose between good and evil. And that's what happens to them. And this and this this what led into them having it was disobeying God. And that act of disobedience had been even before they ate that fruit. And after eating the fruit, they continued to disobey God by doing evil. Giving them law was just to let them understand, you know, what is evil and what is good. But because they've been used to doing evil, so when you even give them the law, they could not obey that law because the law doesn't doesn't allow them to be selfish, and that is what the, that is what man is all about. And what Jesus did was just to allow the Holy Spirit to come and be living in the in the heart of man that can you know help them and induce, induce them to do good. And that is what this is, and that is, the, and that is the provision of the grace of God. So uh, we should understand God and understand what God is telling us in the Scripture. We don't need to kind of, you know, you know, just be taking theories and theology from the old men of the old centuries, and then still be applying it without having a sound knowledge. God has given us a sound mind, Amen, and God will help us to understand Him. In Jesus' name. So the Lord God passed judgment on the serpent, um, and He said that He is going to uh, hit dust all throughout His life. And the people were saying that um, the serpent, actually, the, the way we know them today, they are not eating dust; they are eating um, uh, flesh. And and then, but some people gave some a lot of explanation. Like saying that uh, when the serpent crawls on the ground, uh, he's going to be hitting, you know, licking some dust all the way. And uh, any food that he had, since he's going to um, swallow it through his mouth, uh, uh, it will be mixed uh, with dust. Okay. Well, but another thing we can also consider is that, uh, you see, there was a time when the Lord God destroyed the civilization of the former world. And he asked um, Noah to to take some animals into the into the ship, and uh, but we don't have any 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 um, we don't have any proof to say that this very particular serpent that the Lord God has caused was part of the serpent that were preserved uh, in the ship. And more, the more that God said He's going to put enmity between man uh, and the serpent and they're not going to be friends to each other so it's probably that this form of serpent that was caused uh, had actually disappeared from from the head and because uh, during the flood and another thing we can also consider is that you know when the, the revelation was describing the devil he said the dragons and old serpents. Now think about it. The name as a dragon 
Uh, actually, we don't have any animal in our in our universe, in our galaxy, that actually uh, is being called the dragon. You know, that kind of animal, like the one we have in uh, in a fear tears uh, in movies, you know, the dragons that is spoken fire from the mouth and any other things, we don't have that kind of a real animal. But even we don't even have any animal that we call the dragon. And then he said the old serpent. So why did he say the old serpent? Probably that kind of a serpent had is no more in existence. So that is why he called him the old serpent. Because when he said the old serpent, he was actually referring to that serpent that tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he said the old serpent. So we could actually assume that that serpent is no more uh, in existence. Okay. And then he then caused uh, Eve and then he caused the man. You know what he said to the man? He said he's going to eat from his sweat. He said he caused the ground because of the man. But remember, when it comes to Noah, he actually removed those causes. And when it comes to the Noah, he actually gave, you know, he repeated the dominion that he had given to man at the beginning. Because, you know, to Noah, he said he's going to put the fear of man in, the, in every animal, that any animal should fear man. And the man should actually reign over them. And if any animal should kill the man, he's going to require the blood of the man from the animal. That is like giving the, you know, giving man, um, you know, the dominion that he had already given to him at the beginning. And so when he calls the man, and then he said he's going to eat, you know, with sweat he's going to eat all the days of his life. But we know that after the flood, something changes. You know, then people began to build cities. You know, people began to build kingdoms. People began to, you know, do a lot of marvelous things that they were not doing before the flood. That look at Sieve, that that cause has been removed. Which man was caused, you know, during Adam. But then, you see some people now saying that, uh, that when God said to man that, he has given him dominion over every living creation upon this heart. So they think that uh, because the devil is being called the prince of this world, they think that the man has transferred the dominion over to him, literally. But that's not what happened, actually, because the dominion that man had over the heart, he still had the dominion. I mean, the man is still in charge, he's still in control. It's only that the devil uh, could, that the people, because the people, when they... When they refused to acknowledge God in their reasoning, and God gave them up. And so they become a kind of a prey to the devil. So the devil is free to kind of, uh, you know, to torment them. But when somebody, you know, in, in the case, you know, when somebody uh, is not, he's, 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 being, um, he's being protected by God, the devil doesn't have any power over him. But in terms of the dominion over this house, you know, the man, they still... Um, but the kind of dominion actually God was talking about is being able to cultivate the heart, being able to kind of uh, um, uh, make use of the heart eh, to, 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 to be productive. And the man is still doing that, you know, and, you know, all this kind of because, you know, because the man has this with the gift of the knowledge that the man had, his reason changed practically. And he was able to do so many things they could not do before. I mean, 
he couldn't on his own do. And that is one of the reasons why God drives him away. But when you know God, when you know good and evil, but because the man uh, is not is a flesh, is an emotional being. So the tendency for the man to submit to evil is always very high. And the Spirit of God continue, you know, before the flood, the Spirit of God continue to, to kind of wanting to lead man into the right path, but the man refused because the man wants to be independent of God. You know, before the fall, God can talk to man. God can, you know, you know tell man what to do. And the man simply do it. Just like a little child, you tell a child, a small child, you tell a child what to do. The child normally obey you. They don't disobey you. But when it begins to develop their own reason, you know, they begin, they, when they can have their own initiative, then they are stubborn. You tell them to do something, they say, no, they want to do it in their own way. And that is exactly what become a man. When the man developed the knowledge of evil and good, he felt independent because he could initiate things on his own. And the things that he wants to initiate on his own are evil. You know why they are evil? Because, you know, evil is, is sweet. There is a way that cement right unto man, but the hand thereof is destruction. And that is it. The evils are sweet, and God is the only one that is good. And so, because the man will not listen to God again, and because he wants to be independent, and because his heart is always drawn towards evil, and so God decided that he's going to destroy the man. You see, God said, my spirit will no longer strive with the man. You know, God, which means that God's spirit had been striving with the man, trying to tell the man, you know, to go do it. But the man felt independent, and he felt that he doesn't, he, he, he can be his own chief, he can be his own boss, he doesn't need to listen to, to God. Just like a child, when the child is growing up, at times the child felt that he doesn't need to listen to a parent anymore because he wants to be on his own. And so the man begins to think that uh, they want to be on their own. But the flesh, you see, like I said the other time, that the flesh has some kind of um, uh, sens sens sensual things in it, you know, and those things are necessary for the flesh to survive. You know, you know there are five senses in the flesh, you see, watch the eyes, um, the hair, the nose, uh, the tongue, um, all those things are part of the flesh. And they are very necessary for the survivor. You need what, that is what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you smell. They are part, they are needed for surviving. And these are the sensual organs. And these organs, you know, that's what was developed in a man. But then when the knowledge of evil comes, you see, and this organ begin to run or are being kind of attracted to evil. And then, you know, I mean, first when the, 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 the will of a man begins to develop at the, at the tender age, you know, because he doesn't know anything. So the will is concentrated in, in the pursuing this, uh, this sensual organ. And then when the knowledge of evil began, and then... So the knowledge, because the will have been so used to pursuing these sanctuary organs and the knowledge of evil, 
Because evil is actually selfish. What is selfish is evil. What is good is selfless. And because the body, the, the, the mind has been so selfish from the beginning, so definitely when the evil comes, it becomes so attractive to the man that the man began to run after evil. So the whole what he thinks or what he do is evil because they are all selfish. It's all selfish. And because he wants to be independent, so he cannot listen to God anymore. And so he's just, and then, that is how the man begins to live his life. And God has been trying to talk to the man, to, you know, to trying to kind of make man reasonable. Man will not listen. And so until God said, look, I'm, uh, I don't want to continue this anymore. I'm going to destroy everybody that I have created, that I have been in the situation of the man. But until, and God now sent his Holy Spirit to control the man. But the reason then and now it has not changed for a man to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God. He has to be born again. That is, he has to be born of the Spirit. He has to give himself to the Spirit totally. And that's only when the Spirit can control him. You know, when man is not giving himself, surrendering himself to, the, to be controlled by the Spirit, he cannot, you know, do what is good, you know. Is exactly it has is 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 not a new doctrine. It's just it is right from the time it has been. You just think about it. When Adam committed a sin, what God would have and God come to him and said, "You must be born again." What could it have mean? It simply means that you have to surrender yourself to me. That is how what it means, and you have to surrender yourself to me and of course we know that people uh we have surrendered themselves to god even during that time abel was one of the examples but then a very supernatural a very good example was enoch enoch walked with god for how long well i don't know but he was it was about 300 years when god took him away the bible says enoch walked with god and god took him away what kind of life did Enoch live at that time that make God to so much to be fond of him that he took him away? Now, if Enoch could live at that time, that kind of life, uh, that God is so fond that God took him away. So definitely, even we, during this time around, we can also live the same life. And it has not changed. It's all about you yielding yourself to to, to, the, to the leading of God, you yielding yourself, that God should forgive you, and that God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ should come into your heart, and then you begin to, you know, do things that God wants to do, that God wants you to do. That's all about it. And then, and then, you know, you don't have to sacrifice any animals again for your sin because the sin has been sacrificed, has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And because the blood of Jesus... Uh, paid for the sin, God sent his spirit into the world, into the world, to now, you know, to, to fill in the heart of everybody that wants to, to, to live a, a righteous life. You know, before, the spirit is not sent all over the world. It's just some few people were able to kind of have that kind of relationship with God. But now, it's sent to the whole world, and that is the benefit of the death of Jesus Christ because Jesus died and then he made available his spirit to go all over the world to give people, to empower people, to enable people to live 
the life of holiness. Because that is the grace. Jesus is full of grace. And that grace appeared unto all men. Not just few. Not just to Enoch in his days. Not just to Abraham in his days. But unto all men. And this teaching us that this is what we should do. This is how we should do, live. This is how we can live. So that's what the Spirit is doing. And that is actually what it means to be born again. That you, you, you turn around. You, you kind of you give up. Your independence, you give up your 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 the control of yourself, and then you give it to God, and then you allow God to begin to lead you to tell you what to do, because as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, and that's what it means. That as you are no more your own, but God is now the one telling you what to do. He's telling you how to live. You are sensitive to what He says, and of course. And then you live your life. You live the life.